welcome everyone to Bonus 64. This is the show where we are bringing on a very special guest from our Patreon tier who's going to talk about any game that they want to talk about. Any game in the world, as demonstrated by the game today. Uh, you could have 10,000 guesses as to what game our guest would pick and... I don't know if you'd get there. I, I think our, our guest today is particularly adept at finding some of the most obscure and fascinating titles for us to talk about that I never would have come across in my life. Uh, or if you came across it, you would have been like, nope, no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, we're very excited to welcome back Scott Berger. Hey, Scott, how's it going? Yeah, uh, thank, thanks for having me back on the show. I'm always happy to, uh, to signal boost... Uh, my fascination with uh, extreme indie titles that uh, fly under lots of people's radars or sensory arrays in this case. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like even below, like they fly below kind of most human comprehension of like being able to uh, interpret symbols and things like that. Like, like I, I was just curious between this and Dwarf Fortress, is this just kind of how you see the world? <laughs> like just like at symbols and ASCII things like. Yeah. I think like, uh, the world of roguelikes have uh, kind of opened up this uh, dragon's den or maybe a beehive of like, you know, g games <laughs> that like are are very interesting and less uh, intense on like the graphical fidelity. So like, you know, you have your Death Strandings that are like, sure. extremely graphically <laughs> complex and like, you know, it's got some pretty interesting game systems in there. Uh, and then, you know, kind of like more middle of the road systems, maybe things like, um, <laughs> I'm going to put Minecraft as kind of middle in the road systems, even though there's kind of a lot going on in there. Uh, and then you have things that like yeah. have really, uh, low graphical complexity. I won't say low, gr like bad graphics because like, well, we can get into an argument about like aesthetics versus graphics later. <laughs> that'll, sure. <laughs> yeah. It's sure. almost like non graphics That'll be an hour yeah. or two of our discussion here. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, like, the the games that have, like, a lower kind of graphical intensity, but, like, being able to trade that off with deeper gameplay systems is something that I find super fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, Dwarf Fortress is kind of, like, the poster child of, like, the most extreme end of the spectrum. But I think this game yeah. in particular that we're talking about today, Cogmind, is probably the most accessible of these kind of traditional style roguelikes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that you are hitting it correctly in terms of sort of this teeter-totter between presentation and gameplay systems, because usually what I think of as a more common step of presentation is it's kind of a mask over the gameplay systems. Like, it, it, it's a paint job that sort of disguises the systems at play. And sometimes that's very obvious in, like, Uncharted, where they, like, get rid of a health bar on the screen, and they sort of try to integrate that into just, like, oh, the screen is slightly changing color as you take damage. Um, it's just, like, how can we sort of keep all these systems running in the background but have them be accessible to the player so they don't have to worry about that? And this game takes very much the opposite approach, of like, what if we foreground all of the systems mm -hmm. and like make it sort of almost show you the code of what is going on and like every piece of calculation that is being uh, that is being done when you shoot your assault rifle and whether or not it hits an enemy robot. 
It's like, well, how did the wind affect it? Like, how much weight were you carrying around? Like, all of this kind of stuff that I think that, I mean, you and I have known each other for a long time, Scott, and I think that you and I just think about things very (laughs) differently. Like, you seem to get pretty fascinated by sort of the back end of things and how things exist in numbers and can be represented via graphs and something like that. Whereas I think I'm a little more grounded for like, how did those come out in words or, you know, pictures? Yes. This game is definitely um, so like that this kind is a, of like math geek heavy uh, uh, style. Yeah. It well, essentially looks like, um, wh- like a hacking scene from the eighties. Yeah. Where yeah. You're just like, <laughs> Um, you're I, looking I should, over Matthew Broderick's shoulders. I should mention, I kind of stumbled over the intro there, but the game we're talking about today is called Cogmind. Uh, Cogmind is uh, from the depths of Steam. Uh, Scott, I'm curious, when did you discover this game? Oh, yeah. uh, and uh, kind of how did you come Yeah, so it? this was recommended to me by a friend who, shocker, is an engineer. Uh, and like, <laughs> he, he was big into these kind of like Zaktronics games that I don't know if you've played before, but it's... I, what I is don't that? know what that kind is. Of like, um, so coming back to Minecraft again, like Minecraft kind of inspired by Dwarf Fortress on one end and a uh, a Zaktronics game called Infinite Miner. And Zaktronics games are in, like along that kind of spectrum of like very engineering, like math puzzly type things and like lots of front end like heavy systems. And so, like, when my friend was like, oh, you should really, like, check out this game Cogmind, I was like, oh, it's going to be one of these, like, boring things with, like, conveyor belts, and I'm going to have to worry about, like, optimizations of workflows and things. Um, And 78 hours later into the game, I'm very (laughs) glad that it's not that. Uh, So it is is something that has surprisingly uh, hooked me a lot deeper than I thought it would. That's really cool. Like your your approach to games seems to be like you you like to learn as much as you can about it and kind of like really immerse yourself in it. And I think I bump into it because I'm like, all right, I want it to grab me from a narrative level and sort of walk me through these mechanics in an organic way. And so it's kind of a very different approach. And I always appreciate that I get a chance to kind of see this other side and kind of see, you know, it's it's like, uh, you know, yeah, I think I think you put it well, Woody. It's, it, I think of it kind of like the scene in Terminator where, like, he pulls his arm off and you can see, like, the little robot arm underneath, you know? This game is like the robot arm. This is uh, this is the, the inner workings. It's, it's bloody and it's mechanical, but it's really cool. Yeah, well, because, like, this game isn't really, uh, you know, a much more sort of mainstream kind of, you know, roguelike shooter wouldn't top-down shooter wouldn't be a lot different than what this game is doing. This is just kind of showing you all those sort of machinations of what's happening under the surface. Mm -hmm. And depending on how you approach games and what draws you in, like that's either a feature or a bug. Because one of the games we talked about recently was Monster Hunter, Mm -hmm. which I think you and I both struggle with because there's just not very much narrative pull to that game. Mm -hmm. But that game, like like visually in terms of immersion does so much more more traditional than Cogmind which seems like it makes no effort to like so but like what were your first couple hours of this game like Scott because like I yeah this game makes effort to explain what it is like there is a very long intricate manual within the game Mm -hmm. 
but like it's so me immediately like aggressively uninteresting <laughs> like right from right from the beginning so it's like yeah go ahead yeah it is it's very um i think austere in its first kind of um presentation like the first time you come to it you're just like okay there's just like a little bunch of little robots running around and i shoot them um i mean and also to be clear these robots are just bots yes. <laughs> like so yeah kind of following yeah. like the um the flow of like traditional roguelike games, um, there's you know like things in the world are represented by like boxes that are tiles that you know you can palette swap to other things or whatever. But yeah, like you're running around, you are a little C symbol. Uh, you just run around on little grids and you shoot other like little sprites of things and they explode into a confetti of all sorts of fun stuff. Um, when I, the first couple hours that I played this, I was I was admittedly kind of meh on it. I was like, you know, okay, this seems fine. Like I run around and just blast robots. Uh, the thing that kind of like turned me or like raised my eyebrows a little bit into, oh, there's something more here. Was I was running around and just some allied robots came out of nowhere and are like, hey, you should follow us to safety. And I followed them because I was getting my my ass beat by all these. Uh, these swarming robots and buzzsaws and things and explosions. Uh, I escape with them into this kind of like safe haven. Also, to be clear, to be clear, the buzzing robots and explosions and buzzsaw are all bots. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> I just I want people to visualize correctly because you're using very evocative language. Yeah. Like, and I want to be clear, this is all happening in the user's uh, mind because the screen is not showing. There this. is there is an element of imagination that has to be used, but I think for like. You're sitting on the couch, you have your laptop open, you're playing some Cogmind, the news is going, you know, you're kind of just like half paying attention to the game, but like you're launching missiles, you're like desperately trying to find the exit, you're mind controlling other robots, you're laying down traps, you're cutting through secret entrances and having like the non-hostile robots that tidy up the place wall up exits behind you. It becomes this all of a sudden like living organic organism that you're running through and trying to escape. Uh, so yeah, like coming back to the, the eyebrow raising thing, like these allied robots that were are just boxes, uh, took me into this, um, <laughs> one of the faction headquarters and like the story started unfolding in front of me. I'm like, Oh, like this is kind of cool. And the thing that made me stay was, uh, ironically the writing in this game, I think is very good. I actually think that too, like just based on the little bit that I played of it, it, it was, I was expecting this to just kind of like drop me in and let me fend for myself like Dwarf Fortress did, but that's not really the case. There is a narrative here. There are characters, there is a plot. Um, let me back up and talk a little bit about the history of this game. So Cogmind was released October 16th, 2017. It's developed and published by Gridsage Games, and it's currently exclusive to Windows platforms. But I think, uh, I think, it I think you can port it to Linux. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, if you I, really think, I think to. it's probably going to stay on Windows. I don't think there's a PS5 port of this coming anytime <laughs> soon. An Ultra HD box. Yeah. Uh, so Gridsage Games is actually just one guy. It's a, a Taiwanese developer named Josh Gee who goes by the handle Kizrati. Now, Kizrati began development back in 2012 with the intention of entering this game into an indie game development competition called 7DRL, or the 7-Day Roguelike Challenge. Mm. 
So uh, after an early build started attracting a small but enthusiastic audience, Kizrati started developing a full the game full time in 2013, and now that's this is just his job. Like, and I think that's pretty incredible that this very small game that like is only kind of played by a few people can sustain somebody full time. Like this is their full time job, and they make a living off of it. So that's pretty cool. This guy, there's a weird sort of segment of game developers who are like the intelligentsia or the academia of like game developers who like their sort of career exists in like theorizing about like he he's written a lot of articles about like what is a roguelike and like what are the core fundamentals that make a roguelike a roguelike mm-hmm. versus versus a roguelite which I just read a blog post that Scott posted a few days ago, and I learned that roguelikes and roguelites are different things, mm. which is very confusing. Um, but it's like, these are kind of the guys who are out there doing interesting things in the game space, but not really getting credit for it. And I feel like a lot of that is because they're not that interested in making their game very fun. Like, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm I, not meaning to dunk on this game, Scott, well, it's, because... It's not even... I don't think it's even a matter of fun. Yeah. I think they're not interested in making it uh, accessible. Like, they, yes. they want you to work for the fun that you get out of this. They, they're, they're looking to attract people who are also attracted by ideas and concept mm-hmm. and, like, design as opposed to people who want something that looks pretty. And it's it's kind of a cool like postmodern breakdown of what a video game is in the same way that Dwarf Fortress is. It's like if you can break it down to these very core elements and just mess with it like that, then you can sort of expand on it and see what it is that makes a game a game, you know? Like I get that from the meta narrative sense like uh, of just sort of breaking it down into those Yeah, elements. and I think that there's there's an important distinction here between like roguelikes, roguelites, whatever those things are now, and things that are, like, tra- like <laughs> traditionally inspired by the ye olde game Rogue, which is very much like, right, like yeah. what you would see here, where it's you're just, like, a little symbol running around these grids, basically dungeon diving, and you're finding stuff and powering up and all that, versus something like Enter the Gungeon, which is not even remotely the same type mm-hmm. of game. Enter the Gungeon has a, sure. has a yeah. roguelike uh, moniker to it, but I think that's been sort of inherited by, like, the the evolution of the genre and basically, like, FTL and Rogue Legacy, like, corrupting what that word means at a certain point. Um, yeah. So things like Binding of Isaac, you know, um, uh, Into the Breach. Uh, Hades. Hades. Yeah, like, these yeah. are all, like, some of my favorite games of all time. Cogmind is also one of my favorite games of all time. And it's a totally separate thing that, yeah, like it doesn't, there's like, you have to seek out something like wanting to understand systems more. It's a very systems forward game as opposed to like an action forward game. Well, I might walk that back a bit because like, like I get like heart pounding palpitations when I'm right about, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the end of a level. Like, it is very action-oriented once you, like, understand the mm-hmm. systems. The systems are very kind of upfront. Right. And uh, I will push back a little bit on accessibility, and maybe this is more of an indictment of, like, the traditional roguelike sphere in general, but, like, you can play this game entirely with a mouse. Like, you don't need, like, wacky keyboard yeah. things or, like, crazy key bindings and menu commands like you do in Dwarf Fortress. Like, this is, pr- like maybe one of the more deceptively accessible games I've ever played. 
I think even like comparing it mm. to like Elden Ring. Elden Ring, I would say, is way less accessible than this game. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. but I, I, again, I mean, we got the push and pull here. I will push back a little bit too, <laughs> because I mean, to talk about the quota, like the premise of this game is you are an unnamed robot in this scrapyard, and you just kind of spawn. You and sort then, of gain sentience. And, yeah, yeah. And then you sort of start walking around. You can just click on block, uh, areas you want to go to with the mouse. And then there's a bunch of these pickups, right? Like the first sort of floor is just kind of a loadout area where there's like tons of different pickups and matter to pick up. Um, and so you have like, I think you start with, seven slots like there's your main power combustion your mode of uh propulsion which you can do wheels or legs there's weapon slots which you have two of to start and then there's utility slots and so you go and you click on these things that you want to pick up and you equip them to your different slots and speaking back to like accessibility when you press like status like the game doesn't just say like the iron, the aluminum leg, you know, increases your speed 20%. Like you will like right click on it and it will show you the stats of the aluminum leg and they're like stability. And then it has like a bunch of green bars and it's like each item in the like coverage and it, like 60% coverage. And you're like, I don't know what any <laughs> of this means. Like each item has at least like 12 different stat points that are all kind of vague in what it actually it's does. It's funny that, like, when, but when it, we talk through those things, I'm like, A, I can totally understand where you're coming from. We're like, what do all these things mean? And then, like, in the back of my, my mind, of like, oh, yeah, of course, like, you wouldn't want aluminum legs because the coverage is really low. And, of course, like, you could increase, <laughs> like, you can armor yourself up by just, like, surrounding yourself with a wall of aluminum legs. Like... The the more like this is definitely like one of those games on the uh, on the spectrum of like the more time you spend with it the more it like the more time you invest in it the more you're rewarded out of it like it's it, and it's not one of those things yeah. of like oh like I'm just like you know bought super deep into it but like uh, it's it's just like there's so many like int- like I, oh man I'm tr- like trying to rein myself in like really hard from like diving into like. <laughs> Oh yeah, like the you want to max out your propulsion slots with with flight builds and all this stuff. But um. I'll kind of split the difference and just say like I think the the basic gameplay of this is very very simple. Uh, it, it's especially compared to Dwarf Fortress, which I, I keep going back to because I think visually that's the closest comparison, you know, in something that's just using ASCII graphics to convey a lot of very complex ideas. But I think compared to that game, which is asking you to do a whole lot of crazy stuff, this one is just basically a dungeon crawling shooter. Uh, and, and the complexity just comes from the sheer amount of customization. There are more than a thousand different parts that you can put onto your robot and an infinite number of combinations and so it's really for like stat junkies if you really want to get into the major complexity. If you do just want to walk around and blast like yellow blocks, then you can absolutely do that. Like you said, the, the gameplay itself, very simple. Uh, it's, it's, but I think the enjoyment of it here would be unraveling all of these different uh, ways. And I think like this game could probably be best summarized in three words. Mecha, gear, solid. <laughs> okay okay uh so wait explain so this a bit. so explain this. the way that um the way that you're thinking is like the first kind of tr- attempts that i made uh for playing the game which was like oh yeah there's robots i'm gonna blast them of course but like the the goal of the game is to escape and the more that you fight robots mm-hmm. this 
environment that you're in, this um, big robot factory, is actively working against you the whole time. It's kind of like it's kind of like mm-hmm. Hades in a way where you know, like the the environments that you're running around in are trying to stifle your progress a lot. And right. in Cogmind, there's a heavy emphasis on you know, if your if your goal is to escape, which is a goal in the game, maybe the most important one. Um, to mm-hmm. just a be stealthy, b be fast. So that's kind of like the opposite end of the spectrum of like, oh, I'm just going to roll a bunch of like big heavy tank treads, a huge like Gatling gun turret on the top, and just waste everything that I see. A perfectly valid strategy, but that's going to like send you know the alarm bells off. It's going to send all of like these waves and waves of enemies after you, and then you're just going to be tidal waved over. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of like branching segments from this. Uh, I almost think of it as like you know from the Resident Evil movie, like the big like underground hive thing. Everyone's favorite Resident sure. Evil movie. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. You know, you, Resident Evil, the big underground yeah. hive thingy. I mean, by default, it is my favorite Resident Evil movie. It's the one I've seen. It kind of reminds yeah. me of that a little, where like you know you're you're trying to like roll through all like these crazy areas, and there's all like these in this case robots but like monsters trying to like kill you at every turn and you know the minute that you can escape to a breath of safety is is a is a breath of fresh air but um but yeah like there's the area that you start in the scrapyard uh is basically your kind of little starting world you equip some basic parts you go into a look like a maybe a little mini tutorial zone of uh the materials area and this is the part of the the robot complex that's just like pulling things out of this alien planet to to use for manufacturing purposes. From there, you go into the factory where you have all of like these big machines that are crunching away and hyper-conduit super processors and dark matter conduits and things. Uh, and then you go into the research lab, which is death. There's death everywhere. And then if you can get to the access layer, you have to make a choice if you want to escape or maybe you want to kind of fight the uh, the bad guy that's controlling everything. So how you you said you've put about 70 80 hours into this game. How many successful runs have you had where you either beat the boss or escape? Like what what's your what's your percentage at this point? Um, Cuz sometimes with like a roguelike that I've played a lot, I get to the point where I can just beat mm-hmm. it on every run and then it's a question of do I want to sort of add an extra challenge by trying to get, you know, get to the lost gold city or you know, get to the derelict distillery, mm-hmm. all of this kind of stuff. So, what what's your sort of hit rate? Um, here? My hit rate is is low, but I think intentionally so because I like mm-hmm. a big draw for me that for this game is the story, where like you're exploring this factory. There's lots of like little green boxes with T's on them that are like computer terminals you can go up and hack, and there's lore entries in there that tell you about the history of this facility, the history of the various factions competing for power in this area. Uh, illusions as to what your identity is and role in this big universe um, and that's that's like what keeps drawing me back so like I've been basically playing on super noob easy mode and hunting out all these terminals oh, and sure. trying to find these branching yeah. paths that go to like this whole other section of the world that I never knew existed uh, and mm-hmm. like it's just this amazing uh, layered uh, thing that you're that you're unraveling and there's something new to explore with every layer. So I've had, I think, three or four successful, like, quote-unquote, beaten the game, escaped from the complex. Um, okay. And every single time has just been, like, 
a hair-raising, heart-pounding experience at the last, like, possible second. Hmm. And, I mean, I think that that is the... Because, like we said, this is a game that's basically... It's totally created and maintained by one person, and so, which is somewhat similar to War Fortress, um, which I think is mostly created and maintained by one person. Mm-hmm. And that is the one of the major advantages of having a graphical style like this, which is that you can put so much content into this game, whereas if you had even a fairly like rudimentary graphic system, every time you added a new level or area to the game, you would have to like render tons and tons of art assets and like design all of these different areas. And like I are the I'm assuming that the stuff is randomly generated in this game, right? So um so the levels right. themselves are procedurally generated. Uh, the items are yeah. all kind of like fixed build things. But you're right. Like, yeah, if right. you wanted to add a new type of electromagnetic rocket launcher, it's just like, oh, here's like effectively the same kind of art assets. And you're just tweaking some of the, the dials behind the scenes. Um, right. You just you just put change the stats on it. And it's just typing. Everything can be done basically via story and a different color. I will say mm. that um, while, while true, I think that there is a heavy aesthetic element here that if the developer was going to add like a new um, biome, quote unquote, to to the to the game. Sure. Uh, there's like the sound. Uh, yeah, I kind of want to divert a little bit into the sound design here because the sound design, I think, sure. is incredible where there's no music. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there needs to be because you're you're trudging around through this factory and there's lots of like uh, ambient sort of mechanical noises and sounds almost kind of sounds like you're like walking by like a refrigerator or something. Uh, And (laughs) there's like lots of like, you know, sci-fi like pumping things. And like I've gotten to the point now where I can identify what certain machines are through a wall because I can hear like their ambient sound coming through it. So, Mm, yeah, like there's there's an element of like, yeah, you don't have to like design a a God of War style 3D environment for every new kind of thing that you want to pump out. But this is like Cogmind is very special to me because the the developer has like a very clear aesthetic vision that has like really just, I think, nailed it for like every single aspect of the game that I've interacted with. Well, I think that is what's cool about this game is because, you know, other game there's been other games that essentially one person has created and developed that have taken off in this huge way. Like mm-hmm. when we were talking about this earlier, Steve mentioned Stardew Valley. Mm-hmm. But I think Stardew Valley, for being for being a great game, like it's designed in such a way to like appeal to a pretty big swath of people. Like there's already an accepted audience of your harvest moons mm-hmm. and your animal crossings. Whereas Cogmine feels very much like this is a sort of aesthetic that it sounds like you have, Scott, and like the creator has, but it's like a super duper personal aesthetic. Like it's a vibe that like I think the minority of people, most people are not going to click with this this particular vibe. Um, And so it's really cool that it could be kind of this uncompromising vision that for people who it does click with like it is out there for them and like this this development and it's it's really satisfying and fun when you find a piece of art that someone made that like you're like wow this person like this person gets it this person gets my aesthetic and like i remember i saw a movie a couple years ago called uh 
Lake Michigan Monster, mm-hmm. which is this uh, very low-budget kind of uh, old-timey black-and-white monster movie from, you know, the Midwest. And I was just like, man, the guy who wrote and stars in this movie is just like, should be my best friend. <laughs> like, because it was just like, this is like a nautical, old-timey, like, weird adult swimmy type of humor. And it's just like a really satisfying feeling. And like, I mean, is that kind of what you you get when you play this game, Scott? Like, you just, just like this feeling of, I can't believe someone made this for me? Yes. I think that, like, after after I got through that initial hump of, like, yeah, this is just, like, another kind of tile-based game that I'm running around and, and blasting stuff in, seeing how all the, in, like, the, the intricacy and, like, interlinkage of all the systems, how that's all put together just brings a smile to my face kind of every time, where... The first few times I was running around it like totally blind, had no idea what I was doing, getting blown up at every corner. And then now I'm like, oh yeah, of course, like I'll go to this like hacking terminal here. I'll hack into this system to get access to all the other hacking terminals. Uh, I'll, I'll like hack out all of like these parts for myself and just like run around and just like build out this sort of dream scenario that I want. Like it's such a, a unique thing from this sort of space that I'm I'm very glad that it exists and yeah like artistically it's it's like you have your your roguelike games of like um, like coming back to Into the Breach or or like Enter the Gungeon maybe like those Super Nintendo Plus kind of graphical level yeah um, mm-hmm. that's that's my soft yeah, spot like yeah. the there are other traditional roguelike games that involve like turn-based like clicking to like i'm going to move this guy to this grid over here and then i'm going to do a thing um uh what's the one that i'm thinking of with uh, crypto the necrodancer is kind of is kind of oh, like, yeah. going in that cog direction of like maybe like a little bit lower graphical fidelity you know you're moving around a grid-based system there's like very deep systems that are interacting with each other um, the next kind of step from that would be, uh, I guess it's kind of a traditional roguelike game. Um, it's it's come out pretty recently called Rift Wizard, which has a more kind of uh, NES style graphical fidelity to it. Uh, it... Good title. <laughs> yeah, I love that combination yeah. of words. It, that's, uh, that's a great title because it, it similarly like Cogline. There's a lot of well, there's a lot of kind of stuff up front. But you don't really need to know all the things that are happening. Like you can just run into it. It's like, yeah, I'm just gonna go and blast some skeletons. But you know, the more that you interact with the systems, you're like, oh, I can chain these lightning bolts to this uh, water fountain here, and then it'll like cascade all these lightning bolts all on, along the water systems and things. So um, nice. the next step from that would be something like Tales of Majayal, which is like your kind of standard fantasy setting. It's very much what I think people would think of. For a traditional roguelike now, which is like, okay, I gotta, I gotta pause you for a second, Scott. Do you just like spend all your time like plumbing the depths of Steam, and you like sort by most popular, and then you do descending order, mm-hmm. so it like shows you the least spot because like you've just named so many games that I've never heard of. Yeah, and but, I think I, that like I'm fascinated by these these very like. Um, small developer projects because like a the like the artistic vision and systems design is so like tightly knit that it has a very Mm -hmm. unique um approach to it 
versus something that I you know I think the last time I was on here we were talking Halo like Halo Infinite I had yeah. a lot of uh, expectation for um, I don't know that it's really kind of delivered on that and that's kind of like sure. the exact opposite end of the spectrum of maybe something that's like not yeah. as systems heavy it's very um, upfront in its artistic style to kind of drag you in but for me mm-hmm. for someone that's like maybe going you know skirting back to like halo 2 era days of like oh let's like we have this game there's like a bunch of systems in it let's figure out what makes it tick and break it that kind of like exploration of systems i think is something that really kind of pushes me in the direction of this curve of like you have you have like a certain amount of budget to build a game and you can and this is a gross right. oversimplification obviously but like um you can put that budget towards art you can put that budget towards like depth of programming and, you know, it exists on a, on a curve, depending on how much budget you have. Um, sure. With a pretty low budget, you know, you could make it, like, a really artful walking simulator. Or you could make it, like, <laughs> Cogmind, where it, the graphical fidelity is very simplistic. The art aesthetic is a very kind of specific thing. Um, and it has a very much more kind of... Um, flexibility in in its approach and design i think yeah I, I i think again i think this is kind of a companion piece to steve and i experience playing monster hunter mm. of this game is very much a sort of make your own fun and the joy comes in exploring these systems and finding them ways to work for you instead of just sort of yeah, I think Steve and I click more with games that sort of push us along behind. They're like, okay, totally. now you're going to get the gun weapon, so and, like that's your best weapon, so equip it. And I I will cop to like the, some of the reason why like games like Dwarf Fortress and Cogmine and Monster Hunter kind of like rub up against me is because like I don't like feeling dumb. Yeah. And these games make me feel dumb. They do. Like that like, you know, I I think by design and it's it's partially my own like uh, impatience in my own, like you said, we like having the games kind of push us yeah. along and like move from one narrative point to another. And so sometimes I do struggle with like, man, okay, there's just so much to take on here and there's so much depth and there's so much complexity. Uh, and it feels like it's just a little above my head. Yeah. I mean, that is, I think that Scott, I mean, that's a more mature outlook to be like, oh, there's so much to learn here. I'm going to approach it and try to learn it. 100%. As opposed to you and I, we're just like, oh, this is confusing. I'm no. going back to play Castlevania again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You just whip things. Yeah, yeah they're pretty clear cut. I, I think I that, like, there's, and like, Cogmine for me sort of straddles both realms in a way where a lot of times i think like 90% of the time i've just been like playing this game on the couch sort of half paying attention to it and half paying attention to the tv but i think it it really works mm-hmm. for that because there are times where i'm just like yeah i just want to like roll in and blow up some robots and like maybe the build that i have going like yeah you know it's so so and i'll just see how far i can get and you're scored at the end of it and you're like oh maybe i can you know beat my high score of what i was doing before um Coming back to sort of the intricacy of systems and thoughtfulness of design, Cogmine has a lot of um, like extra bits around it that help with mm. sort of sort of that like um, draw and flexibility of playstyle. So like there's there's uh, point based leaderboards depending on what difficulty that you're in, uh, mm-hmm. in a in a very kind of um, 
uh, mathy sort of database data sort of approach. You can see what everyone's like build was at like any specific point of the game from those score sheets. Oh, They're cool. insanely detailed and you can learn a lot of like, oh, this person here was like, you know, this is the exact route that they took through the, the through the factory. And then, you know, they got this upgrade equipment here. Um, there's like, there's those extra elements on top of it. There's also a bunch of like, I wish these were more sort of upfront, but like hilarious kind of like hidden game modes in it where, and this mm. is something that in very, you know, cogmind programmer fashion, uh, you have to enable through uh, like the Steam console command options. But there's things where like, you can have like an AI controlled, uh, like second player buddy run around and help you out. Uh, there's things like, I think it was for an April Fool's joke. He built a, a battle royale mode, which I'm actually like kind of, <laughs> like, I kind of want to play that. That sounds kind of interesting for them. Right. <laughs> that yeah. sounds kind of fun. Um, there's, yeah, there's like, there's just like so much stuff to explore here in terms of like lore that you've collected, uh, the gallery that, you know, you can explore of like, parts that you've seen is super interesting. I think this part of this game's aesthetic, like with everything being like pixel slash tile based graphics is that like the game is, is I guess maybe I'll, I'll take a step back. The, the front end of like of this is done in a thing that this solitary developer also built himself called Rex paint, which mm -hmm. is like the graphical okay. UI associated with it, which is also like, crazy complicated with its like transition effects exploding bits and like the like sometimes you'll pick up like a super powered weapon that will like dim the whole screen except for like certain machines that use electricity and then you'll shoot like a giant electricity beam out and it's one of those things where i'm like damn that is that is like such a cool uh artistic design that I don't know that I would ever see something like that in a Halo game, if that makes sense. Right, right. Yeah. So is this developer... So this game, if you find it on Steam, it still lists as being in early access, but like as we, it came out, you know, seven years ago at this point. Um, but it sounds like he has... The developer has moved on to other things. Like this game seems done. Do you know anything about what... Do you follow him at all, Scott? Do you know anything about what he's working on now? Um, I lurk in the... Unsurprisingly, the Roguelikes Discord. Uh, sure. And, <laughs> yeah, from what I can tell, I think, like, he's still pretty actively developing this game. Like, if you're if you're listening okay. thus far and you haven't, and you haven't rage quit out, um, like, <laughs> number one, like, this... I would say this is a fully polished game. Like it says early access on the yeah. title, but there's enough content in here for you know you to be playing like 80 hours and still like not even see everything. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's un. He kind of says the same. He kind of says the same on his website. It's like yeah, it's early access, but this is kind of yeah. done. Um, yeah. There's there's like major features that get updated every so often of like oh here's like a new zone to explore, but like the general like overall bits of the game i would say it's it's basically done um like yeah the the developer here like i'm super interested to see what they do next i think like cogmind is like it's it's such a thing that like i could i could easily <laughs> see this being like the atari version of the game 
And then, like, the NES mm. version of this game with maybe, like, a little higher graphical fidelity in terms of, like, sprite movement, um, even something that's, that's like, Rift Wizard, which is just, a, like, a touch more on, like, the front up or, like, the upfront graphical um, front, front end, end. yeah, um, yeah. might go a long way. Because um, I think, like, the underlying programming systems in here are so smooth and polished, I'm not really sure what else could be added. So, I, but I will say, like, don't wait for Super Cogmind or Cogmind 64. Like, just jump <laughs> into it now. Like, there's, there's an overwhelming amount of stuff. But if you just treat it from the aspect of you are a solid snake Cogmind, you have to escape the oil tanker, <laughs> and you're trying not to get caught. And, like encountering all of these uh different factions and allies and enemies along the way uh i think you'll you'll have a good time so like i i mean my my uh backseat designer pitch would be like you know since since this is uh, a story about an ai gaining sentience and any good story uh with that as a theme is about learning what it is to become human and about discovering more and more like my pitch would be each time you pass a level or like upgrade yourself a certain level, you get another sheen of graphical like styles on top of it <laughs> until eventually it kind of looks like a full RPG with like characters and, and graphics and everything like that. By the time you get to the end, that'd be my pitch. That's probably we, we laugh. Yeah. We laugh, I, I, but there is actually a, um, a faction where one of the NPCs running around will give you, I don't, I don't know if it's like an item. I think it's an item that like, if you uh, activate though, he'll be like, Oh, oops, that one's not done yet. And it'll actually go the reverse route. It will turn your tile graphics into ASCII graphics, which you can fix. You can yeah. you can fix manually by pressing F3 if that happens to you like me. I'm like, oh, no, my graphic's broken. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it also wears off after a certain amount <laughs> of time. It's like, oh, yeah, don't, don't worry about that. It's still in development. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of game that I appreciate knowing about. Um I appreciate that there's someone out there following their passion, mm -hmm. and I appreciate that there's people like you, Scott, who really click with this kind of stuff, but I just don't think that my brain works this way, and I don't think that it is any position to change to work this way anytime soon, because it's like, with I guess my imagination is just faltered. In all of these years of watching movies and playing games, like my imagination just doesn't work anymore. And I'm like, I know I'm shooting robots with a grenade launcher. I just wish it looked cool. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to say something that will make me uh, want to crumble into dust. But uh, the big issue I was struggling with is like, oh, these letters are too small. <laughs> like I was just physically having trouble reading and processing what was going on with some of the graphics. But then, like, I would find these moments where I'm just like, you know, I, I like games where you explore, like, big procedurally generated dungeons. And I like having all these terminals that, like, you know, there's the risk-reward factor of, like, should I try and hack this? Will it, will it risk, like, setting off the alarm and bringing in a bunch of other robots to try and kill me? But is it worth it to learn a little bit more about this world? And I agree with you, Scott. Like you said, I think the writing here is good. Like, and there's uh, uh, tons of it. There is so much writing in this game. And for this all to be the work of one guy is pretty incredible. Uh, but there, there is a lot to process here for sure. Um, so for, for a person just kind of jumping in and like just starting up this game, 
where would you say they should focus their efforts if they want to be successful in their run? Like, what should they be developing first? What should they be on the lookout? What should they avoid? Um, yeah, I think the the thing that you should focus on if you want a, a successful and, and fun run in this game is, number one, set the difficulty down as low as it'll go. Like, this game is, is viciously oh, yes. hard on, on the intended difficulty of, of rogue level, um, which, like... I've played a few times on the rogue level, and it is, boy, I am, I'm sweating bullets, like, every time I'm running around a corner, because there are, <laughs> like, they know where you are, they're gonna find you, and they're gonna, you know, tear, tear your, uh, your armored wheels right off. Um, so, <laughs> number one, set the difficulty down. Um, I don't think that, that really lessens the enjoyment of the game at all. Um, the number two aspect is to focus on um, utility slots which will allow you more options for, um, for hackware. And hackware is mm. good for like going up to terminals and having like a better chance of percentage to, to like get what you want. Um, and if you uh, happen across uh, things that allow you to see, so like um, sensor arrays, uh, terrain scanners, things like that, like there are like literal items that are just wall hacks sitting around in the game that you can attach and you know there's there's elements to like you know how effective they are but like you like the more that you can get items to sort of see around a corner or see what's coming the more it'll benefit you uh, there uh, I think in the first few floors of of the game so you're basically starting out at like a minus ten depth and you're trying to get to minus one or zero so you're going up. Um, uh, the first few levels have branches that go off into mines where you can find, um, the, the group of exiles that they're called. And they'll give you a thing that will allow you to, to like see through walls permanently. And that will allow you to see mm. like enemies well before they're coming. Uh, it's very much recommended for, for new players. Um, so that would be key, like sensor equipment to see like where enemies are or like where exits are and things like that. Um, and then propulsion, just being able to go fast. So after you have like three or four extra things of utility, start stacking propulsion slots and then graft a whole bunch of legs to yourself, run as fast as you can <laughs> until you find some flight units, slap those on. Uh, and then just like when you, when you're going fast in this game, it kind of looks like you're just going at a normal speed, but everyone else is just stuck in molasses, which I think is actually kind oh, of yeah. hilarious where you're just like running circles around these giant robots and they like, they can't turn around fast enough to shoot you. And you're just like, all right, see ya. That I think yeah. will help a lot with a new sort of player experience. Um, and then that'll really open up things of like, oh, like I don't really have to worry about the enemy robots now. I can just fly right past them giving you a lot of opportunity to go and explore stuff, interact with this thing. What happens if I blow this thing up? Oh, that blew up like half level. Oops, uh, I guess I'll just zip up to the next floor now. Um, and I think like reading a lot of the uh, the lore entries will help a lot too, because that'll help with like, mm -hmm. what the hell is this thing? Where do I find this guy? I remember reading through uh, some lore terminals about this thing called God Mode, which I'm like, oh, that, boy, <laughs> that sounds intimidating. Um, and then I wound up coming across the faction and the NPC that's, you know, like, the thing called God Mode is in the room with us, at, like, in the corner. Mm. And then the NPC is like, but just you wait, wink, wink. And, uh, you know, 
like, <laughs> spoilers, uh, you know, things will happen later uh, with lots of explosions where God mode comes into play. So, like, there's a, just, like, those past few sentences that I just said sound insane and ridiculous. <laughs> this game is insane and ridiculous and fun and like sure i never thought you know picking up six missile launchers and shooting them all at the same time would be as much of a i guess pun intended blast as it is um <laughs> i don't know that sounds pretty fun but there's also i enjoyed it the few times i did yeah, in real life uh and like in real life uh, uh steve has a, a mind control uh, gun. He has a remote data jack that he'll jack into dudes mm-hmm. and have a yeah. uh, a mind controlled robot army following him around to do his bidding. The, I call that Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I would say if you are you, you're listening to this and what Scott's talking about sounds appealing to you, um, check out Cogmind. Like you'll probably. Get get a pretty good idea within about an hour if this is a game for you. Um, yeah, I think it's and, a classic example of like a, a, a game that's going to reward the amount of effort that you're putting into it. Yeah, you know, like and uh, you're you're going to get out of it what you put in. Yeah, I think if if you're into games like like XCOM, I feel like is a good thing that's like mm. oh, it has good like upfront graphical stuff. There's a lot of systems. There's things to calculate for like shooting dudes. Uh, if you're into games like XCOM. You'd probably be into this genre. Uh, Cogmind might be like a 200 level class uh, to jump into initially, but I would look into <laughs> sure. things like um, uh, Jupiter Hell is one that came out recently that has like a pretty decent uh, upfront graphical fidelity. Uh, Rift Wizard that we mentioned many times uh, is, is a solid one. There's one called uh, I love the title of this one, Golden Crone Hotel, which is fun. Uh, <laughs> all having like. Are, are those are those crones like old ladies? Um, is that what's going on? That's a good question. You're basically like a half human, half vampire running around this okay. giant. Uh, it's actually not too big. It's a lot smaller in scope than something like Cogmind, but it's a it's a similar premise of you're running up through the floors of this quote unquote dungeon, which is just a uh, a hotel. But you're a half human, half vampire that you have to like flip back and forth between, and there's like. There's humans and monsters running around, and you're allied with them depending on which side, you know, your your body is in. Um, I don't know that I would recommend something like Hyper Rogue or Tales of Majael right out the gate, but I'll drop a mention of them now mm. because you know if you're if you're listening to this thing, you're furiously writing down these recommendations. Um, like you'll eventually get into like the weirder stuff, like well maybe not weirder, but like the even. You thought this game was deep, like Dungeon Crawl, Stone Soup, or Caves of, Caves of Quud. Uh, at that point, there's no saving you. Like, you've gone off the deep end. <laughs> you're, you're living in a whole different world than us, man. Like, I, 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 been, I, I feel like I'm getting a peek here. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Yeah. Like, you know, even if this isn't a game that, like, the gameplay style that necessarily clicks with me, I like learning about it and i like that we get to sort of bring attention to a very small game like this and like in, in our in our own little way and that people can uh kind of have the opportunity to let it click with them you know because and, and learn i guess about this whole community of people who are excited about these sort of systems first roguelike games yeah and yeah you know, it's a good way to learn about game design for sure no it's and amazing if you're like Absolutely. me and you're waiting for uh gpu prices to uh to continue coming down to an affordable rate uh, you'll be able to run all these games on a calculator, basically. So, <laughs> <laughs> perfect. 
Well, Scott, thank you so, so much for uh, coming on the show and for bringing this game to our attention and giving it a platform. Um, where can people find your stuff? Uh, people can find my stuff. Uh, Woody had mentioned a blog post that I had done earlier. Uh, you can find that at uh, mm-hmm. svburger, B-U-R-G-E-R.com, uh, where, yeah, I've been working on a uh, open source uh, Steam data science uh, Python package Again, if you've gotten this far, I think that kind of like meshes with, uh, <laughs> with your Cogmind enthusiasm. Uh, and yeah, I've been developing a lot of uh, uh, data science stuff in, uh, in that realm. And yeah, the blog post I put up was using some of that to statistically identify like what games really are the closest to Rogue in terms of a roguelike moniker. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah if, you, uh, if you're interested in anything um, that we've been talking about, Scott is definitely the expert in this kind of uh, arena. Like you, you definitely like seem to know your stuff with this, and uh, I'm I, I continue to be incredibly impressed. Um, but uh, thank you everybody for listening. If you'd like to hear yourself on one of these episodes, head over to Patreon.com/slash/Ultra64Pod. Sign up at the Wonder Red tier, and uh, you can make us play anything you want. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we uh, will be excited to do so. So uh, uh, thank you very much for listening. <laughs> Still cogging it. <laughs> cogging too it. Too cog to we- mind. Weekend yeah. at Cog Mines. <laughs> Um, All right, well, we will see you all next time, everybody. Thank you, and uh, peace out, robot buddies. I don't know. That's the expression from the game. Peace out, robot buddies. That's what they say constantly. (laughs) Bye. Bye.